0: You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Today's podcast is titled, Meet Me at the Altar. God longs to meet with us at the altar of prayer. For more information about our ministry, go to revivaltalk.org. This morning, I want to talk to you about a subject entitled, Meet Me at the Altar. God is calling his people to come home to the altar of prayer. He's calling us to a meeting with him at the altar. Some years ago, I preached a series of messages on rebuilding, returning, and reestablishing the altar of prayer. We must begin, first of all, by establishing a private personal altar where we spend time in prayer and private worship. We must reestablish a family altar where we teach our children how to interact with the Lord. and Then we must establish a corporate altar to pray and intercede for our church family, our city, and our nation. When Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he went into the temple and he made this declaration. He quoted Isaiah 56, verse seven, and it's recorded in Matthew 21, 13. And he said to them, it is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. When he went into the temple, he overturned the tables of the money changers who were unfairly profiting off of God's people by exchanging their money to a temple currency. He cleansed the temple to return it to its original purpose. My house shall be called a house of prayer. I don't believe that that mandate has changed. I believe that God is still saying, my house shall be called a house of prayer. When God calls us home to the altar, he may first do a work of cleansing in our hearts and in our lives, just as he did when he cleansed the temple. The Bible says in Hebrews 12:1, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Our prayer should be the same as David in Psalms 51 verse 1 and 2. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. In Psalms 51 verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Matthew 5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hebrews 10.22, Let us draw near with a true heart, a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Psalms 19.8, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Amanda Baez, who is a minister from South Africa, defines an altar in the following ways. Number one, it is simply a place of contact with the spirit world. Number two, it is also a place of sacrifice and a place of covenant. You see, whatever we worship, that's what comes and embeds itself in the land. Whatever we worship, we give authority in the land. That's why everywhere Abraham went, he built an altar and he worshiped the true God because he was inviting the true God to come into that place. The Hebrew word for altar literally means a place of sacrifice. It is a place of meeting. Catherine Brown defines the altar. She said an altar may be described as a meeting place between heaven and earth where God creates covenant and where a priest offers either sacrifices or gifts. Altars are mentioned 228 times in the Bible, 24 times in the New Testament. It means a place of sacrifice or a place to meet with God, thus a place to worship God. Both the heathen and pagan nations and the Israelites built altars as is shown by archeological excavations in the Holy Land. In both cases, they were primarily used for sacrifice. You see, God is calling us to come home to the altar He's calling his church back to the altar to meet with him, to fellowship with him, to receive instruction, to receive help, to receive comfort and direction. You see, there was a time when the altar was the center of our church. God never meant for the pulpit to be the center of the church. And I say that as a preacher and a pastor, but he meant for the altar to be the focus and the center of our church. My house shall be called a house of prayer, not a house of preaching not a house of fellowship, all those things are important. But our priority is to be a people of prayer. And God is calling us today to rebuild the altar. And it has to begin in our own personal lives. You must rebuild the altar. Now, the altar is a place where we meet with God. The altar is a place of sacrifice. It's a place of communion. It's a place where we receive hope. So when we rebuild the altar, we give ourselves as a sacrifice. We present our bodies, Romans 12, 1 and 2, as a living sacrifice unto God, and that is our foundational scripture for spiritual mind spiritual you. Let me give you three thoughts about the altar this morning. Number one, the altar is a place of devotion. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines devotion as an act of religious fervor, piety, an act of prayer or private worship, a religious act, exercise or practice other than the regular corporate worship of a congregation, the act of dedicating something to a cause, enterprise, or activity. The altar is a place of sacrifice. A sacrifice must cost us something. God promises to meet with us and to bless us at the altar. Look at Exodus 20:24. 20, an altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. The altar is not a place to visit haphazardly, but it is to be a place of devotion. Psalms 5.3, My voice you shall hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Psalm 63, 1, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. The ultimate altar was the cross where Jesus, our high priest, offered himself as a one-time atoning sacrifice on the altar for the sins of humanity. So the cross is the ultimate altar. In Revelation chapter one, verse five and six, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Amanda Byers right. she said, God is calling forth his church in every city to stand in the gap. The strength of the church is dependent upon the strength of each individual believer's prayer life. I wanna say that again. The strength of the church is dependent on the strength of each individual believer's prayer life. The major reason why so many believers today are unsuccessful, stagnant, and they never realize their true potential is because they do not have an altar of prayer. A believer is not greater than his altar. The success, advancement, increase, and consequently breakthrough in every area of the life of a believer is dependent upon his altar. I I would think that most that are listening to this broadcast today that you desire the blessings and the favor of God. Do you long for his presence in your daily life? then you must be willing to establish an altar of prayer. In the Old Testament, the altar was made of stones from the earth or wood. In the New Testament, we no longer build physical altars, but we build spiritual altars. John two twenty four God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. An altar is a place where we spend time with God. The altar is a place of devotion. Now, I want to make this a little bit practical before I move to my next point. Set a place in your house where you pray. Maybe you have a room. Build yourself a prayer room. If you have room in your house or take a corner of a bedroom and just set it up where you can go, you can pray, you can spend time with the Lord. That becomes your personal altar because it's the place where you meet with God. Set a time. Put it on your calendar, make it a priority. Maybe you are a morning person and you like to pray early in the morning or maybe you're an evening person and you like to pray in the evening. The truth is, Daniel prayed three times a day. Three times a day he opened his window and he bowed and he prayed towards Jerusalem. So I'm not trying to tell you just to get up every morning and pray. You pray through the day. The Bible says we pray without ceasing. But there needs to be times where we spend time with God at the altar. And I would encourage you to make a place where you can pray and intercede. My wife and I and my daughter, when we lived in Maryland, we had a living room. We turned that living room into a prayer room and we would pray and intercede and we would spend time with the Lord there in that room. And I remember many, many nights that we would just get together as a family and we would lay on the floor and cry out to God, and the Lord would visit us there in that room. It's time to rebuild our personal altar. So the altar is a place of devotion. It's a place where I meet with God. But secondly, the altar is a place of demonstration. How many of you want to experience signs, wonders, and miracles? How many of you want to experience the glory of God's presence? I had this thought recently. The fire of God is usually associated with the altar of God. A little more than a year ago, I dreamed about a storm that was coming. And as the storm was coming, I was in a different person's house. And I just spoke to the Lord and said, Lord, don't allow this storm to harm anyone in this home. And I pray that we will not lose a shingle in this storm. And the tornado passed over us and we were safe. And nothing happened to the house. And I looked out and I saw a dark, 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 ominous sky. But I saw clouds. And in the clouds was fire. I looked it up. There is a true thing called a fire cloud. And what happens is a lot of times if there's a, a wildfire, somehow it will, it will, the oxygen will pull that fire up into that cloud. And what I saw was fire clouds, clouds that contain fire. I believe it is the fire of God's presence that he's going to bring. And we often say, Lord, let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. But the fire is associated with the altar. In Genesis 8, Noah built an altar when he came out of the ark. In Genesis 8:21 and 22, it says the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done while the earth remains sea time and harvest cold and heat winter and summer and day and night shall not cease in Genesis chapter 9 verses 1 through 3 God pronounced a blessing on Noah and his sons God demonstrated his power at the altar. It was at the altar where God made a covenant with Noah. In Genesis chapter 9, he pronounces a blessing. I don't know about you, but I want God to pronounce a blessing upon me and upon my children. But then God demonstrates his power at the altar. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7, Solomon dedicates the temple that he built. And in 2nd Chronicles 6:12 it said Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord. And in 2nd Chronicles 7 verses 1 through 3 it said when Solomon had finished praying that fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. He then makes an offering at the dedication of the temple. And listen to what it says in 1 Kings 8, 63. And I'm going to read it from the living Bible. Solomon offered to the Lord a peace offering of 22,000 cattle, 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the temple of the Lord. So what happened at this altar? The fire of God fell and consumed the offerings and the sacrifices. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory had filled the house of the Lord. The people bowed their faces to the ground and worshiped. Listen to their declaration in Second Chronicles chapter seven verse three. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. The altar is a place of demonstration. Elijah met the prophet Sabel on Mount Carmel, and in first Kings eighteen it records the details of what took place on this mountain. I want you to listen to the challenge in first Kings eighteen, twenty-three and twenty-four. Therefore let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull. And lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Baal is the strong man who rules over our nation today. And Elijah the prophet has a showdown with this false god, this idolatrous god, Baal. And the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah at Mount Carmel. I've been to Mount Carmel. It's one of my favorite places in Israel. They say that when you go to Israel, there will be a place where God will really speak to you and minister to you. For me, it was Mount Carmel where the Lord really visited me and really touched my heart. And I'm drawn many times back to this story. If you know the story, you know that the prophets of Baal, they built their altar They offered the bullock and they cried out to their God. And the Bible said he had no voice. Now, I believe in times past that a demon had spoken through that idol. But in this season, the Lord closed his mouth and would not allow him to speak. But then Elijah rebuilt the altar of prayer. When we rebuild the altar of prayer, we will have true revival. I don't go many places that people aren't talking about revival that people don't recognize the need of revival even some places where they're praying for revival but the key to revival is the altar we must rebuild the altar of prayer he rebuilt the altar he placed the sacrifice on the altar then he poured four barrels of water on the altar and he prayed a 63 word prayer what happened first kings 1838 then the fire of the lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. God answered by fire. God wants to answer us by fire. God wants to send the fire of revival, the fire of his presence, the fire of his glory. And here's the thing about the fire. The fire is a refining fire. The fire is a purifying fire. God wants to meet us at the altar so that we can be made clean, so that we can be made whole. The altar is a place of demonstration. But I want you to notice third, the altar is a place of declaration. We're currently in what's called a decade of declaration. I've studied out the Hebrew calendar, and if you look at the Hebrew calendar, we're in 5783, 5783. 57 means the year of, 80 is the decade that we're in. The Hebrew word that corresponds to the number 80 is the word pay. It has to do with your mouth, has to do with your speech, has to do with your breath. That's why many of us suffered COVID. COVID came to take our breath away. It came to take my breath away. But God breathed new life into my lungs. and He raised me up from that place where the enemy would have taken me out. But God, as you know, we were putting masks on our face, and we had to wear masks in this decade to stifle our voice keep us from speaking what we needed to speak. So we're in the decade of declaration. And in Genesis 28:10 through 12, Jacob journeyed to a place named Luz. In Genesis 28:11, so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. What happened in this place? Well, verses 13 through 15, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. God met with Jacob and promised to bless him. He spoke to him in a dream. Jacob saw the heavens open. God opened a portal in the heavens over Jacob and he saw him. And what did he promise to do? He promised to bless him. Now notice Jacob's reaction. In verses 16 and 17, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How many times has God visited us, and we didn't recognize that it was his visitation? Don't be so bound by tradition. Don't be so locked into a past revival that you miss the Lord because when he comes, he comes differently than he came in the past. Don't put limits on God by how and when and where he can move in our lives, but rebuild the altar and ask the Lord to give you a hearing ear and a teachable spirit so you can hear what the spirit is saying and so you will recognize him when he comes. This overnight resting place became a meeting place with God. In Genesis 28, verse 18 through 22 It said, Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he had put at his head. He set it up as a pillar. He poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And to all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. What was the result of this heavenly encounter? Jacob made a faith declaration. The altar is a place of declaration. What are you speaking over your circumstances today? We must learn to declare the word of God by faith over every circumstance in our life. The greatest weapon in the believer's arsenal is what's called the sword of the spirit. That's the word of God. We must put on the armor of God but we must take up our offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit. We must learn to declare the word of God by faith over every circumstance in our life. What are you walking through? What are you going through? You find out what the word says about your situation, and you begin to declare the word over that circumstance. If you have sickness in your body, you read in the scriptures where Jesus healed all who were sick and had diseases. And you quote the scripture, by his stripes, I was healed. You speak over that sickness in your body. You declare, I am the healed of the Lord. So new revelation, new vision, and new assignments are revealed at the altar. God longs to meet with his people, and he will meet with us at the altar. The altar is a place of devotion, a place of demonstration, and a place of declaration.